Hi, welcome to the Talking Michigan Transportation Podcast. I'm your host, Jeff Cranson. The Michigan Department of Transportation received some exciting news this week from the federal government with the award of two grants, one to enhance efficiency for cross-border freight haulers and another to enhance rural mobility and transit technology. I'll be speaking first today with the project manager for the freight hauling initiative, and later I'll speak with the MDOT staffer overseeing the rural mobility project. So again, our first guest is Michelle Mueller, who is senior project manager at MDOT for Connected Automated and Electrification. That means that she's got a lot in her umbrella and a lot of this is new stuff and she's been kind of uh, learning on the fly, but taking the lead on some of the most innovative things that MDOT and the state are doing when it comes to mobility. And as mentioned earlier, we're gonna talk today about a grant that was awarded this week from the federal government under the Strengthening Mobility and Revolutionizing Transportation Program, SMART. Uh, federal government loves these acronyms for grants. <laughs> so, Michelle, thank you for taking time to be here and explain this, and congratulations on winning the grant. Yeah, thank you very much. I'm super uh, super excited. We're happy. The team is um, ecstatic and really looking forward to getting started um, on the project. So, you know, I, I think the the key pieces, Jeff, to this um, project is, you know, it really pairs well with a, another um, corridor uh, cross-border project we have going in partnership with Canada. That project um, actually has provided a bunch of stakeholder input. We've had over 100 stakeholders. And walking through that, we've worked to identify um, with those stakeholders challenges that exist at our borders. One of the things that really stood out in the conversations in those the stakeholder meetings um, is really looking at how we can move um, freight uh, better across our borders. And one of the uh, things we came up with when we had the opportunity for the SMART grant was to look at the Blue Water Bridge um, and to say, how can we provide predictable um, arrival and processing times for the users, for our infrastructure operators and our border agencies um, all together? So we decided it would be a great opportunity to take advantage um, of the SMART grant and put in an application to do that. So the project looks at improving the movements on our uh, westbound goods across Blue Water Bridge. So it'll be those goods that are coming into the United States. And then, you know, really focusing on sharing the information, setting up the um, digital platforms and data sharing with all the different agencies at the table to say, how, how can we share this information? How can we get it? And how can we provide that data we get from the trucks um, in the trucking companies to provide to the agencies and uh, customs, border patrol, um, and MDOT for processing those through the trusted partner network? So we start by looking, obviously, at a key corridor for international freight movement, and the Blue Water Bridge is, is definitely that. And we hope that this can be applied at a broader level down the road. But Explain what it means because this is being called implementation of a proof of concept for a smart corridor. Um, in the, I don't know, most optimistic terms, is it fair to say that even if you think this doesn't matter to you because you don't drive a truck and you know, you're not aware of you know, what on-time delivery means and those goods that you buy in the marketplace, that if you're just a regular commuter, you know, a regular passenger vehicle user, that anything that expedites the movement of trucks also helps you? Oh, absolutely. So many, not everyone, but many of us have been in the, the situation of trying to cross the borders. And as you come up on those borders, um, you do see queues. 
And a lot of those cues you see from trucks. And part of that really is um, around the fact that it takes longer to process them. They carry carrying different types of goods, you know, things like that, where, where that processing time is just longer. So how is the opportunity to be able to move that quicker? You reduce those cues, which sometimes those cues actually lead and start backing up passenger traffic as well. So if we can keep the vehicles moving at the crossings, we can reduce the congestion. The other piece is even if you're not speaking of sitting in the queues at the border, you're still on the receiving end as a consumer. So a lot of the trucks and the um, that are carrying goods are goods that we consume. There are things, you know, uh, vehicle parts, different types of um, technologies, manufacturing hardware, those types of things that these trucks are carrying that are bringing services um, or parts to services or just to supplemental needs of lives to um, actually enable the benefit to us as a consumer. So it, it can just be something not even related to how much time you're sitting someplace or waiting at the border, but really movement of the goods and improving that flow, um, you know, and, and just getting the goods to us faster as users um, on, the, on the end. So what does it mean to create efficiencies and rationalize resource allocation for Customs and Border Patrol as, as well as MDOT? What- what, break that down for me. Yeah, so, you know, as we start to look um, through this project is we want to be, be-, be able to better understand um, how can we be more efficient in the processes that are happening. So um, there's certain things in, pro- in plan today in place that process the vehicles, they go through a certain process. So really taking those as a the stakeholder team, because there's lots of agencies involved, right? Um, we have to make sure security stays in place, you know, and all of all of those are key and at the forefront. So really taking the group to sit down and dissect what those are and say, how can we make these processes more efficient? What changes can we make? Are there things that can be happening prior to arrivals in addition to some of those that already happened today? But what else can we do to do that? And then also starting to look at, you know, as we see reductions um, and challenges in the uh, people filling jobs. You know, it's existing at the borders too, right? They're all trying to find staff. So as we look to say, how can we look at the resources that we need um, and what can be done maybe in a different way where it doesn't draw so much on the resource? And then even to the point where you do have people who, you know, may get sick, right? Or something happens and they can't come into work. How do you, how can we have processes in place that actually um, make that burden and impact a little less? So we can continue to maintain the level of service um, to our customers. And that goes to a broader economic dilemma of our times that uh, would take a whole nother podcast with some economists to sort out. But it is interesting that at the same time, people are panicking over robotics and how technology is taking jobs. We can't find human beings to do the jobs that are open now. So this is, yeah. So this uh, talks also about leveraging the existing information sources. So, um, I mean, could you, Kind of explain what technology is is being brought to bear here. Yeah, so um, what the one of the tasks that we'll do as part of this um, is really looking at um, what information um, is needed, right? So um, some of that is you know requirements, whether it's for security, whether it's for um, you know the the loads they're carrying. There's lots of information that's transferred and um, used by different entities, you know, to process. And then, you know, even as you move past the processing, when you get into the inspection side of things, is how, what is the information that exists today? What is needed? 
And how can we maybe even look to simplify that and leverage things that are out there today that maybe we're not using that could be an added benefit to um, reduction of these uh, processing times and being able to move the goods um, quicker across the, the bridge. Sounds like this is a significant leap forward. I mean, ever since 911, September 11th, 2001, uh, we've had to have increased security, increased inspections for freight going, you know, anywhere in the world. And those things have had an impact at our border crossings. And so these are some ways to mitigate some of the things that slowed us down uh, because of that, because obviously nobody wants to cut back on the security, but we also want to, you know, clear the border as quickly as possible. Um, do you see this? You know, I mean, I guess what's your most optimistic hope for what we get coming out of this and a broader application? So my optimistic hope is we take the opportunity that we got through this grant um, for the westbound you know, traffic coming in. It's just at Blue Water Bridge is that we get the the teams together, the partners together from all, you know, both um, the U.S., the Canadian side, Border Patrol, um, all of the different groups and agencies that have a hand in that process. And we get those together and we come together as a team and we figure out how to continue to meet our requirements, right? Keep things secure. We, as I said, we don't want that to change, but we need those, um, that group of people at the table. And then we all collectively talk and we go through the processes and we, we work collaboratively to figure out how can we do this better? What are ways and mechanisms to leverage things that maybe exist today, maybe things um, that don't exist today? And how do we how do we do that collaboration to work and process this and put a, a place, um, something in place where we can actually make a difference, right? We can move freight faster. We can provide benefit to everyone, essentially. Um, we can deal with, you know, ups and downs of staffing issues you know, things like that, and then be able to take this model and use it at our other crossings and work with those partners um, to enable this type, you know, system and what's created at those other crossings. Um, quite a few of those are in Michigan. And then share that even with our external um, state agencies that have border crossings to say, hey, we've created this model. We've put this together. Here's all the details of what we worked out um, and be able to share that model forward. Right. So we want to be collaborative in that and we want to be forward thinking and how we can you know, do each of these processes. And some of that will even be something just it's not just in the the um, security clearance side of it, but also just in tolls. You know, so how can is there ways that we can do the toll processing um, quicker? Because there's times where you can go to the borders and you can go right through. We all look if you go to the borders, you're looking at, you know, what are the times? What are the processing times and things that we all track those? And what are ways that we can actually make that more efficient um, services and, and move people quicker, but not at the sacrifice of safety? Yeah, well, obviously, safety has to be paramount. So I guess what needs to happen now? And, and I mean, the grant application talked about stage one. What, what do you see as a, as a realistic timeline? So the first step we have to do is we have to get the money from the federal government, of course. Um, we've already started that process. And then what we will do is um, when we bring that in, we'll set our contracts up with our partners um, and uh, get those in place. And then once those contracts are in place, we'll start work. Um, we'll get the, the teams together and, you know, we will start the process 
to go through our needs assessment. Um, we'll be a, a large uh, stakeholder outreach, which again, we're very fortunate because we've got the stakeholders at the table already because of this cross-border project that we've been working on. So um, this is a true win coming out of um, the cross-border project that we have had underway for a little while now. And we're actually pretty close to, to finish with final deliverables. This is a win out of that. This is a group of people in two countries that have come together to identify and be realistic about what those challenges are and be at the table for discussion. And now we're moving to actual solutions to those challenges. So super oh, exciting times. Oh, yeah. I mean, given the the needs and, you know, Canada's importance as a trading partner to Michigan and vice versa, the whole reason that we're building another crossing in Detroit, the Guardia Hunter National Bridge, and the whole reason that some years back we added a second span to the Blue Water Bridge is because of that, um, not yeah. just passengers, but freight obviously is, is very important. So uh, I don't know, what else would you want people to know about this? Um, I really, at this point, um, not too much. We need to get, uh, like I said, we need to get the contracts in place and we need to get kicked off. Um, I would encourage folks to watch the progress. Um, we will be having uh, information shared out of the, the cross-border that identifies um, other challenges and we'll be providing opportunities and looking for funding sources for those as well. Um, I, I think it's a time and we're in a place, you know, our, our federal partners um, and our Canadian partners were super excited for us that we got the grant, um, which really shows that the relationships are there. Um, you know, we spend a lot of time, we collaborate well, and we, you know, do very well at, at moving between countries, which not every state can say. So really proud of, of Michigan and the efforts that our border um, folks have put forward in this at our crossings. And now we have the opportunity to enable with some grant funding and technology to help them. So I guess this is a reality check. You're, you're saying that when the federal government, USDOT, makes a grant announcement, they're not depositing the money in an account the same day? doesn't work that uh, correct. way. Correct. <laughs> it does not work that way. <laughs> Unfortunately, well, it does not work that way. Yeah. Well, thank you, Michelle. This is this is helpful and good luck going forward. And again, congratulations on a successful grant application. All right. Thank you very much, Jeff. I appreciate it. Please stay tuned. We'll be back with more Talking Michigan Transportation right after this. No, before you go, head on over to MyDrive to check out the latest on road construction and possible delays along your route. For a detailed map, head over to michigan.gov drive. So we are back, and as promised, our second guest this week is Janet Geisler, who is a mobility innovation specialist at the Michigan Department of Transportation and was instrumental in writing the application for the other grant that MDOT won, this one for about $1.3 million for transit innovations. Janet, thanks for taking time to be here, and can you tell us uh, what this grant will mean? Sure. Um, this grant is called the Advancing Rural Mobility Michigan Public Transit Open Data Standards Program. And uh, that's kind of highly technical. So let me break that down a little bit for what it actually means. Um, technology is becoming very popular in the transit community, both to improve transit operations and also to make transit more accessible to the public. Um, if you are, for example, in the city of Detroit and want to go from point A to point B, there are a number of, of um, apps that you can use on your phone or computer programs where you can plug in where you want to travel, and they will show you information about 
uh, go to this bus stop and this is what time the bus shows up and this is the route. Um, that information all comes from something uh, called the General Transit uh, Feed Specifications or GTFS. And that is a uh, set of data that um, is generated and maintained in what's called open data standards. That's a common format that everybody's agreed to use that allows the, uh, the software to pull in that data from uh, the Detroit Department of Transportation uh, to uh, create the, the information that is then shared to the public. Um, so that, that's something that's available uh, primarily with large urban agencies, um, systems that have fixed routes. Now, Michigan has about 60 transit agencies that are rural agencies, and they don't have fixed routes for the most part. So GTFS is not a tool that they can use. Um, so this, what this grant will do, it will explore some um, evolving uh, technologies. Um, there's um, something called GTFS Flex, um, GOFS, which is General On-Demand Feed Specifications, things that might be more useful uh, to the rural providers that provide demand response service to help them integrate, um, to, to generate their data so that it can then be used by similar uh, trip planning applications. So I noticed that in the application, I think that's interesting. I, I would guess that a lot of people don't know about the rural agencies. And you think of public transit in Michigan, you think of Detroit and Grand Rapids and Lansing and Flint and, you know, the big cities. And of the 82 public transit agencies, you're, you're saying basically 60 serve rural areas. And, you know, that's often where the aging population is. So it's probably more vital than ever. Um, is, is, is that the simplest way to explain why we're going after this grant just for these populations? Um, yeah. You know, even though the the highest concentration of people may be in urban areas, a lot of Michigan is rural communities. And those include um, a lot of people who are low income, who are, um, as you said, uh, uh, senior citizens, people who really rely on public transit to access uh, all all the features to make their lives productive, whether it's a job, whether it's education, whether it's health care, um, whether it's shopping. Uh, so transit is really an important tool for them uh, to live productive lives, and we're looking for ways to make that more accessible to them. So talk about those four agencies that are partners, and I know that that's probably something that the U.S. Department of Transportation, uh, you know, took kindly to. They like the idea that you have partner agencies that would be part of uh, stage one in this program. Can you talk about how those uh, were selected? Sure. The uh, four agencies that we'll be working with um, in the pilot stage of this are uh, the agencies in Benzie, Charlevoix, uh, Cadillac Wexford and Ross Common. Uh, last year, our office did a statewide tran rural transit uh, technology assessment where we surveyed all the rural transit agencies throughout the state to determine their um, 
current level of technology literacy and adoption? Um, what uh, are the tools that they are most interested in in acquiring? Um, how comfortable are they with with technology? All these sorts of things that will help us then uh, prioritize how we spend our uh, transit dollars. Uh, the four agencies in this in this pilot were identified as agencies that are um, pretty tech savvy already. Um, they would be interested in in working on this with us. They also include um, some of the disadvantaged populations uh, that the federal grant is seeking to to um, benefit with these these types of programs. So, I guess in in your most optimistic view, what would you hope to to learn coming out of this, and and how do you think it could soon, you know? improve the quality of life for the people in these service areas? The, the SMART grant is a uh, two-stage program. Uh, the first stage, which is the grant that we received, is for pilot piloting and, and planning these technologies. Um, the, the recipients who get stage one grants are then eligible to apply for a stage two grant later, which would be implementation. So in stage one, we will be doing this pilot. Um, we will then apply for stage two, which will allow us to implement it statewide to all the, the transit agencies in the state. Where we are um, eventually hoping to, to go with all of this, we are in the process of developing a statewide mobility as a service platform or a MOS platform. And what that is, um, it would be a single platform, like an app on your smartphone, that you could um, call up, type in where you are, where you want to go, and it will show you all of the uh, transportation options to, to enable you to complete that trip. Um, at a minimum, it will identify who those providers are and let you know how to get in touch with them. At a higher level, depending upon each of those transportation providers' um, capabilities and what technology they have implemented, it may enable you to plan the trip, book the trip, and pay for the trip all within that, that app. Um, the, uh, the GTFS data and tools that we are developing through this SMART grant are the things that will feed into that MOS platform to enable people to see all that information. Well, it's, it sounds like uh, the best thing that can come out of this is just the real-time information, that if you're tracking this on your phone, you can find out you know, uh, where it is and how soon it can be there. Um, I mean, that's what everybody wants, right? It's the, it's the impatience that makes these things difficult. Right. Now, not every agency is going to have that kind of um, capacity available, um, but that is, you know, for the ones that do have that, that would be part of the app. Where else do you see, I mean, as you say, the, the partners in this first round would be successful and then have the opportunity to apply in a, in a, in a second round. Um, beyond the, the four transit agencies you, you mentioned, uh, you could see this probably extending further north in the lower peninsula and then probably being of use in some upper peninsula counties too? 
it would be statewide. It would be throughout the whole state. What else? Talk a little bit about uh, your title. You've kind of evolved into this from doing other things in the passenger transportation area at MDOT. And I know um, you've said you're really excited about what you're doing right now and kind of being you know, on the cutting edge of a lot of these new technologies and a lot of ways to help people with mobility. Um, can you talk about that a little bit? Sure. Um, we got started down this path um, back in 2018 as part of the $8 million Michigan Mobility Challenge, uh, which was an initiative um, uh, conceived by Governor Snyder that would use emerging technology to improve mobility for seniors, persons with disabilities, and veterans. And 13 grants were awarded to different projects all over the state, testing all different kinds of uh, technology, things from mobile apps, um, automated wheelchair securements, um, an autonomous shuttle vehicle, indoor wayfinding, a bunch of really interesting projects. And we recognized uh, how this really can benefit people and we wanted to do more of these sorts of things and so we created the position that I've moved into uh, to uh, take take charge of these things and, and uh, explore all these different technologies and try to get them deployed at, at transit agencies around the state. That's a really exciting time to be in, in mobility and in transit so uh, I, I appreciate you taking time to explain it and you're, you're doing important work so thank you. Thank you. I'd like to thank you once more for tuning in to Talking Michigan Transportation. You can find show notes and more on Apple Podcasts or Buzzsprout. I also want to acknowledge the talented people who help make this a reality each week, starting with Randy Debler, who skillfully edits the audio, Jesse Ball, who proofs the content, Courtney Bates, who posts the podcast to various platforms, and Jackie Salinas, who transcribes the audio to make it accessible to all.